Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariyah on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadih ladhin astafa. Khususan ala Sayyid al-Rusul wa Khatim al-Anbiya wa ala alihi al-Askiya wa ashabihi al-Atqiya amma ba'd. For today's class, we are going to take a detour from our subject that we've been covering over the past few months, Stories of the Companions. And visit a chapter of Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi alayhi's Ihya ulum al-Din. We'll be covering a summary of some of the points that he mentions. The uh, chapter is on the rights of brotherhood. And specifically, how to select a companion in life. This is a very beautiful chapter because it guides us to be successful in this dunyawi, temporary life of ours. One of the realities of life is that there's only so much you can accomplish by your own doing. So much of you happens, so much of you comes into existence as a result of the people around you. You adopt certain traits and personalities without even realizing. From childhood, you pick up specific vocabulary based off of what you hear from your own parents, how you hear your teachers speak, what you hear from your friends and colleagues, whether it's the way you think, the way you speak, the way you dress. This is all heavily influenced by the people around you. Accepting this is a massive accomplishment in itself. Just coming to terms with that, that I am not just me, I am not just my own will. It's not just what I want, it's not just what I do. There are things that I don't want that become a part of me as a result of the environment and community that I'm in. The analogy that comes to my mind is a person that has a business. You can have a phenomenal vision 
a great product. But if the people that are involved with you in that business aren't up to par, then your performance will tank. And this is why these top companies of the world are very picky about who they bring on. If you want to get a job at Apple, Microsoft, Google, how many interviews do you have to go through before you're even taken into consideration? How many? What was that? Five to seven, correct. Somewhere around five to seven interviews before you get hired. Because they take their business very seriously. How can we bring you on just on a wing? That just because you applied, you're going to get in? No. You have to fit into our culture. You have to appreciate our culture. Likewise, the people that you choose and the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces to you in the dunya will play a heavy role in your life. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a companion at work who is willing to stop and pray salah with you, take that as a blessing from Allah. That there's someone who pulls aside and prays salah with you while things are busy. If you have a friend or relative who refuses to tolerate the inappropriateness in the chat groups, then you are blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in order to attract good companionship, you have to be willing to, you have to offer good companionship too. <clears throat> you can't demand seven interviews if your business is a flop. It won't work. You have to offer value. And when you offer value, people will then go above and beyond to be a part of what you're doing. So, Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi very eloquently, he says, that love and the bond that exists between two people is the fruit of good character. People will love you as long as your character is good. And the opposite of ulfa, ulfa means to bond, to find familiarity, to draw close to one another. The faruq is opposite, to turn away from one another, to divide, to break up. This is a result of bad character. Bad character will always break away human beings from you. That is the outcome that it will deliver. And it's quite consistent, like it, it's come through rate is solid. You can, if your character is bad, there's always a possibility your marriage will go down the drain. If your character is bad, there's a strong possibility that your children one day may turn against you. If your character is bad, there's always a strong possibility that one day your employees will just walk out. Because there's only so much that people will tolerate of bad character before it's unbearable. Because, لِأَنَّ حُسْنَ الْخُلْقِ Because good character, يُجِبُ it necessitates love. It necessitates bonding between people. And just as bad character produces it produces animosity. It produces people turning their backs on one another. <clears throat> now we turn to the hadith of Rasulullah and we look at the narrations and there are so many ahadith of the Prophet regarding this issue of character. Abu Darda radiallahu anhu narrates from the Prophet 
ما من شيء أدخل في ميزان المؤمن يوم القيامة من خلق حسن. That there is nothing that is more weighty and heavy in the scale on the day of judgment than beautiful character. Similarly, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إن أحبكم إلي وأقربكم مني مجلسا يوم القيامة أحاسنكم أخلاقا That those that will be closest to me, those that are most beloved to me, and those that will be closest to me in seating on the Day of Judgment. Who will be closest to me? It's not the person that lashes out on their relatives, their friends, their uncles, their aunts, their parents. Not that person. Not the person that has a fight to pick with every human being in the world and is constantly fighting a war against every teacher, every classmate, everyone they see. Not that person. إِنَّا حَبَّكُمْ إِلَيَّ وَأَقْرَبَكُمْ مِنِّي مَجْلِسًا يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ أَحَاسِنُكُمْ أَخْلَاقًا It's the people with the best akhlaq. These are the people that will be closest to Rasulullah and most beloved. Similarly, the hadith continues, وَإِنَّ أَبْغَضَكُمْ إِلَيَّ وَأَبْعَدَكُمْ مِنِّي مَجْلِسًا يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مَسَاوِيكُمْ أَخْلَاقًا And the most detested to me and the furthest from me in seating on the Day of Judgment are the people with the most corrupt character. The thing about character is that it's in your control. It's something that you have to work on. It's scary because we know where we falter and where we get weak. In some places, some scenarios, some gatherings where we know that this is my strong point. For some people, ibadah is their strong point. They're really good at ibadah. But when it comes to akhlaq, they're not good at it. Then for some people, they're very good at akhlaq when it comes to social gatherings. So if you put them in a gathering of 10 people, they will have the biggest smile and the best things to say. But then when you start bringing them to the people that are closest to them, their relatives, their character begins to deteriorate. It's not easy to find... <coughs> it's not easy to find um, even brothers and sisters that have good akhlaq towards one another. May Allah forgive us. This is a reality. There was a young man who I knew many years ago. Him and his brother, um, they were, you know, very good people, mashallah, amazing. But internally, you know, the same dynamics that exist, unfortunately, commonly among brothers, you know, just a little bitter, uh, a little salty, passive-aggressive. And then uh, one of them passed away. And... Uh, I was at the janazah. And when we finished the burial, everyone was leaving the graveyard. This young man, he sat at his brother's grave, toiling his finger in the soil with tears. And I asked him, I said, well, what's going through your mind right now? He said, I wish I could hug him one more time. We spent so much time in bitterness and in unnecessary rivalry that now that death has come, it all means nothing. All those petty discussions, all those petty arguments, all the punches in the arms of one another and all that stuff, it, mean nothing, it meant nothing. So as, as, as you move on in life, you begin to see the value of your character, that what kind of person you are. And that's a blessing of Allah as well. Being able to see what benefits you in life and what harms you in life is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should be able to see when is it that you raise your voice and when you lower your voice when you go on the offense and the attack, and when you're actually being sincere, looking for a meaningful, real, may I say, prophetic solution, you should be able to tell the difference. 
that at this moment, after this interaction, I can definitively say I, was be, I, wasn't, I wasn't looking for khayr, I was looking to hurt that person with my words. I wanted them to cry, I wanted to beat them with my words so deeply that they wouldn't be able to stand up again. That's what I was looking for actually. You will attract the type of people that you sit with and you will attract a type of people that will see something in you that is common and similar to what they have in themselves. So we are mirrors in society. In one ayah, Al-Khabithatu lil-Khabithin wal-Khabithun lil-Khabithat Al-Tayyibatu lil-Tayyibin wal-Tayyibun lil-Tayyibat That good attack attracts good and evil attracts evil. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was once asked, وَسُئِلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ عَنْ أَكْثَرِ مَا يُدْخِلُ النَّاسَ الْجَنَّةِ Someone asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what is the thing that will take most people to paradise? قَالَ تَقْوَ اللَّهُ وَحُسْرَ الْخُلْقِ The consciousness of Allah and good character. This is what will take people to paradise. This is what will take them. One of my good friends, uh, he called me this week and he went to visit a scholar. There was a scholar um, who was going through some life challenges. So he went to visit him. The specific challenge that that sheikh was facing was, unfortunately, his son died. And he loved that son of his a lot. So he was sitting with him. And he asked him, what's been the hardest part of all of this? So the sheikh said that his death was hard. I mean, that hurts. I lost my son and I, I miss him and I love him. But what's been harder than that has been the response of the Muslim community at the death of my son. Because um, his son may have committed suicide. So he said, rather than giving me some space, rather than consoling me, rather than just minding their own business, everyone started coming in and hurting me and hurting me and hurting me. And they hurt me so much that he said that I can't even stay in my own town anymore. That's how much pain I'm in. This is what bad akhlaq does. I was reading a beautiful um, anecdote that Imam Ghazali narrates. <clears throat> Regarding a scholar, he says, قَالَ يَحْيَى بِنْ مُعَاذِ تَحْتَاجُ أَنْ يَقُولَ لَهُ أَنْ تَقُولَ لَهُ What a horrible friend you have if you have to say to him, أُذْكُرْنِي فِي دُعَائِكَ Remember me in your du'as. Because a friend should remember you in their du'as regardless of you asking them or not. وَأَنْتَ إِيشَ مَعَهُ بِالْمَدَارَاتِ and that when you live with that friend, you have to always be on your tippy toes, roaming around in circles, trying to find a way to engage with them because there is no straight path to them. <laughs> or your friend makes you present an excuse. That's not a good friend. A friend shouldn't make you present excuses. They should give you the freedom. They should trust you. There should be a bond there. There should be some loyalty there between the two. So then Imam Ghazali he, he says فَصْرٌ فِي بَيَانِ الصِّفَاتِ الْمَشْرُطَةِ فِي مَنْ تَخْتَارُ صُحْبَتَهُمْ The chapter, the sub-chapter regarding characteristics that are, that are, 
fi sifatin mashruta regarding the preconditioned characteristics the subchapter regarding the preconditioned characteristics in the one that you seek companionship from and this is powerful because don't just think of companionship as friends at the park you're not just talking about people that you're going to go for a walk on or someone that you're going to take on take on an umrah trip with we're also talking about marriage we're also talking about someone that you may plan to open a business with that you're you're taking a path in life that to get together we're going to do this we're going to do something together we are going to be in each other's presence for a long time so then he says in total there are five characteristics that must be sought in a companion number 1 amma al-aql the person should be intelligent look for a friend that has intelligence fa huwa ra'sul mal for that is the beginning of it all you know ra'sul mal refers to the original investment without that you have no money it's it's your base asset ra'sul mal amma al-aql fa huwa ra'sul mal there is no good in befriending a foolish man. Because he will try to benefit you and due to lack of intelligence will end up harming you. You want to be with people that when they intend to do something, they're able to execute that properly. That if they're trying to benefit you, then that benefit should be seen. And then number two, the second thing, حُسْرُ uh, الْخُلْقِ You must have good character. فَلَا بُدَّ مِنْهُ It is necessary. إِذْ رُبَّ عَاقِلٍ يَغْلِبُهُ غَضَبُ أَوْ الشَّهْوَ Because it's very possible that an intelligent person may be overcome by anger or temptation. And then فَيُطِيعُ هَوَاهُ And will then follow his, his desires. Then if he follows his desires when he's angry or in a moment of very intense temptation, then his aql goes out the window. Like the purpose of the aql is for a person, you know where the word aql comes from? In Arabic? We use the word aql to refer to brain, right? What does aql mean in Arabic? Yeah, the iqal, correct. It refers to the rope that the Bedouins would use to tie. If you go to Saudi markets and you ask them for that round thing that they put on their shimal, you know that round black thing that you see the royals wearing, it's called iqal. Same word. And they would, they would use that to tie things. And the reason why the aql is called aql is because it, 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 it's used to bind your, and, sorry, it's used to bound your thoughts together. That through your aql you choose what goes out and what stays in. What you do say, what you don't say. You package things together. Your brain is your sorting center. And in Islam, anything that hinders the human aql becomes haram. You can't have things that hinder, that, that hinder the, the function of the human aql. Because when the human aql goes out the window, then the insan becomes very dangerous. Very dangerous. And this also happens when a person is drowning in extreme anger or temptation. When they're very angry, even an intelligent person stops thinking. When a person is afflicted with extreme temptation, then no matter how intelligent and how smart they are, they have a moment of weakness. فَلَا خَيْرَ فِي صُحْبَتِهِ So there is no good in the companionship of such a person. 
Number three, as for the sinner and the one that openly transgresses and disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَخَافُ اللَّهِ He does not fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the one that doesn't fear Allah cannot be trusted. Because if they don't fear Allah, and if they can betray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what will they do to you? And then on top of that, whatever good they bring in the world will be washed out by the harm they bring um, in the akhirah. You don't want a person like that with you. A person that's mocking you and your daughter or your family for wearing hijab. Or someone that's making fun of you because you choose to live a particular life. Or someone that's making fun of you because you wish to follow a particular sunnah of Rasulullah And we're familiar with this culture. That there are a group of people out there who actually just take pleasure in mockery of those who are loyal to Allah and His Rasul That's just their whole identity actually. Their whole identity is that they will make fun of those people. So there's no khair in being close to a fasiq. It doesn't mean that you need to abandon them, but don't make them your friend. Like you want to be their friend to the extent that you're able to help them and assist them and bring positivity to their life. But if at any point the equation is flipped and they now begin to have a stronger influence on you, then remember the qaida, the ultimate principle in Islam is دَفْعُ الْمَضَرَّةِ أَوْلَى مِنْ جَلْبِ الْمَنْفَعَةِ that's a principle in our religion. To repel evil takes precedence over bringing any potential good. دَفْعُ madarra To repel evil. If something evil is coming your way. There's a friend of yours that you may influence them, they may influence you. It's a 50-50. And if you fear at this point that we're headed towards that 60-40, and this person may have a stronger influence on me than I will have on them, دَفْعُ madarra أَوْلَى مِنْ جَلْبِ manfa. Now at this point, it's more important for you to repel any evil that is directed towards you. And you need to put whatever good you had in mind on pause. Protect yourself. The fourth thing that he said is Stay away from a, uh, an innovator. Stay away from an innovator. Because um, his good intentions will bring harm to you. An innovator has good intentions. That's the beautiful thing about a mubtada, actually. They put hard work into doing whatever it is they're doing. They believe in what they're doing. They will generally be doing more than other people. But the problem isn't in what they're doing or why they're doing it. It's whether this is the right thing to do or not. And in our deen, specifically when it comes to religious matters, we don't do what we think is right. We do what we are taught by revelation. And that is ittiba'ah. That is Islam, that is submission. That a person says that even though I think one thing may be more fruitful, I'm going to stick with what my deen tells me to do. I'm going to focus on this instead. And the last thing that he says is, حَرِيسٌ عَلَى dunya. Do not get caught with someone that is materialistic. If you get caught with a materialist, you will spend your life running after the dunya. It'll be from one, one watch to the next watch. It'll be from one pair of shoes to the next pair of shoes. It'll be from one coat to the next coat. It'll be from one car to the next car. And within the car, one trim to another trim. You'll just be running. That's all it'll be. Your entire life will be spent running after more. When the truth is that you don't need more. You need more in the akhirah. In the dunya, the goal is to have kafaf, enough to get you through. With a little bit more, you know, to contribute towards... Uh, your brothers and sisters and to 
uplift the Muslim community and to help those that are needy. But the more that you have shouldn't be just to attain the next luxury. Because once you enter into the um, game of acquiring luxuries, there's no end to it. There is literally no end to it. You know, whether it's in cars or anything else. It's a miserable place to be. So it's one thing that you should make dua to Allah, specifically those of you that are young here, that Ya Allah, save us from that upgrade life. That everything is about an upgrade. We don't want an upgrade for everything. I need to learn to be content with where I am in life, that I'm happy here. This is enough for me. Someone says, oh look at these socks, they're better than that one. Your response should be, Alhamdulillah, mine keep me warm. Alhamdulillah. That's it. There's nothing more that these socks were supposed to do. Someone says, my coat is better than yours. Alhamdulillah, mine keeps me warm. I'm more than content and happy with it. So these are the five awsaf characteristics that Imam Ghazali says to look for in a companion. And they apply at all levels, whether you're looking for marriage, whether you're looking for a friend, whether it's a business partner, that أَن يَكُونَ aqilan, you look for an intelligent person. Number two, you look for someone that has good character. This is an important thing. Try to understand their character. How you gauge a person's character is by interacting with them directly, but also speaking to those who have interacted with them over a longer period of time. Friends, colleagues, imam, that this imam has known this person, tell me about this individual's character. And then the third thing, do not engage with a fasiq, someone that openly sins. Because if you engage with someone that openly sins, your entire life will be just a tug of war. You're pulling in one direction, they're pulling in another direction. A muqtadiyah, their sincerity will overcome you and they will drag you towards their bid'ah. And lastly, do not get involved with someone that is materialistic. If all they talk about is dunya, 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 if that's all they talk about, then they're going to take you on one heck of a roller coaster. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and guide us and bless us all with good companions in the dunya and allow us to reap from the benefits of these companions in the hereafter. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>